Welcome back to Two Kids One Doctorate. I am your host, Dr. Soyla Quesada, and we made it. We made it to season two, episode one. Yes, so we did. And today's topic is yes, you guessed it. It is about my first gen experience. First gen, first generation, meaning you are the first in your family to graduate to get a degree. And I am first generation high school graduate, undergraduate graduate, graduate school graduate, and doctoral program graduate. And I am so proud of that because not a lot of people can do that without a generational map, without generational wealth, without a set basis of where to start. And I was able to do that. And I have so many people to thank. Obviously, I've got my mother to thank. Um, she was a single mom and um, did what she had to do to get me to the point where I can do the rest by myself. So she was able to help me through high school and get me through college. Um, and then the rest was more of my drive and motivation to do more because why not? I've also have to thank all of the staff, the faculty, the administrators, all of the mentors, the advocates that I've had throughout my life who cannot go unnoticed, their efforts, the fact that they decided to go into careers that help people succeed in these academic settings. I am first-gen immigrant as well, so I had to learn a system, a, a different language, and succeed, succeed through these academic systems that we know are not always that easy to manage and to succeed in because of barriers, right? There might be cultural barriers, there are systemic barriers, there are academic barriers, there are access barriers, right? There are support barriers. And if you're listening to this and you are first gen yourself and you identify with this episode, don't forget to leave a comment and I will be responding to those. I can tell you that my experience could have changed. At any point, I could have been derailed and not have finished any of my degrees. So I was in high school and there was this college that came to campus to do interviews on, on, the, on the high school campus. And I interviewed for it and it went well and I made it, right? I got accepted. And... Um, that's about it. I had no idea what else I was going to be doing. So thank you to Miss Smith, who was my counselor, my high school counselor. I honestly didn't even know what college was. I was going with the waves, with the motion. If I was adv advised to do something, I'd go for it, right? But I don't think, I didn't know then. I didn't really conceptualize what it meant to have a college degree, what it meant to go to college. It was like, well, I guess people say this is something I should be doing, so I'm going to give it a try. I can't even tell you that I was encouraged to go to college by my mom. I can't remember a certain conversation that we had in which she was like, girl, you're going to college. I cannot recall any of that. There was no pressure from my family to do college. So honestly, I'm wondering if I didn't, if I wouldn't have had the the staff at the high school kind of push me, advise me to go and interview for this college interview, where would I be today? Probably not. Uh, and if maybe I would have, who knows? Um, but yeah, that's my how I got to that interview. I was admitted and I kept um, applying to other colleges, um, in-state, out-of-state. 
And obviously this one just fit in the best. Um, one of my friends was also going to attend the same college. And it ended up that a few of us from the same high school ended up going to the same college. So it was a fabulous experience to have been able to go through high school and then onto a college campus with people that you recognize that were from your hometown, etc. So I didn't feel at any point that I didn't belong on that college campus because I came in with a cohort of people. And while in college, I was able to make other networks of friends, etc. that created um, support systems for me as well. So I don't believe I ever felt like it did not belong, um, which is another episode that we should be uh, recording soon about the, you know, this concept of belonging and feeling like you don't belong in systems and spaces. But that wasn't my case. Um, I didn't. I, there were so many of us Um you know, that we recognized each other, we recognized that we were on the same campus, that we made friends with each other, we were going to the same events, supporting one another, etc. So I think that was very helpful for me during my college undergraduate experience. I didn't know what high, what uh, college was, honestly. In high school, it was something that just happened, right? You graduated from eighth grade, and it was just something that was already set for you. You went to high school. And I had... You know, I didn't have any pressures in other ways in my life at that time that didn't allow for me to get to high school and finish high school, right? Uh, you would, I would say that I was a good student. I was in my book. I was part of the honor society. I was uh, vice president of my class. I played volleyball. I mean, you name it, I was doing it. And... I would like to say that I'm doing all the things now, but I've always been the person to do all the things. If there was an opportunity, I was going to go for it and I was going to do it. And I was going to do it scared. That was just a thing. I was always going to do it. I was a student that sat in front of the class to ask all the questions back in the day when nobody knew that was a thing, right? When I got to college, I remember learning about it. Like if you sit in front of the class, you have a higher probability of getting higher scores of your professor noticing you, etc., etc. I was doing that in high school. I it was just in me to always be that student. I was accepted into this program, the um, EOF. For those of you that are from New Jersey, you must know EOF. It's a long-standing program in the state of New Jersey. I was part of this program, which to this day is the way I lead life in general. In any work I do, I always, always, always want to create these programs and these spaces and these opportunities for students and people to be able to transition because it's not an easy transition to go to um, to go to college and if you really don't have that guidance and that support and like in the case of this program a summer component before you start college you really will be will begin feeling lost you will begin not knowing anything and not having the support within colleagues cohort mates um, classmates and not really know the campus, also not recognize who the staff is, administrators, the faculty, etc. So I go to college. Summer program was amazing, fantastic. To this day, are the people that I hold dear to my heart. I remember them. I can get chills just thinking about the experiences we had together, the growth, how we expanded through that program. Then first year starts. First year starts, second year goes by. I again, you see me doing all the things, joining all the clubs, um, uh, going to study abroad. What else? 
at one point I had 19 credits, 21 credits, because I was also like a double major and I had a concentration and I wanted to do all the things. I also took a calculus class, which I didn't even need. By the end of the day, I did it. I took it and I'm so proud of myself. But I was always a person that was like, all right, so these are the things I could be doing. Why not? If I can do them, why not? So I've never really been like a, a person that doesn't grab onto things. So if you see me now doing all the things, don't get surprised. I've always been that person. So um, back in college, it was great. You know, I joined a sorority who I love. I, I already uh, recorded an episode about my appreciation and love towards this group of women. Check it out. Season one. Uh, and um, I can't say enough about just the love, the support, all the things. And that to this day, there's a big, huge part of my life. They are basically the ones that know me and say, now they have loved me <laughs> and had stuck with me, right, for the last 20 years. I cannot believe it. I joined the sorority in 2002 and it is now 2022. So it's been 20 whole years. And then I graduate. My mom moves out of state. And I'm thinking, okay, I can't stay in Jersey and because, you know, that's where we grew up. So that's where my extended family was. I could have stayed there. I decided not to. So I went away and I went to my mom um, and I took a job. <laughs> I was probably there for three whole months because I was unhappy about the drive. First of all, it was my first job out of college. I was like, people go to work when it snows? How? Why would people go to <laughs> Because I was so used to campuses closing when it snowed, right? So the fact that I had to drive and it was a state up north in New England, so they function differently on snow days, right? They're, they open and they drive and they, they plow the snow and they get their car out. New Jersey, for me, it was a little different. Like you were on college campus, if it snowed too much, you don't have to go anywhere, so uh, that was the first kind of like uh, shock for me professionally because I was like, oh, this is different. But I also didn't have any sense of guidance either when it, be, when it came to professionalism and, and working and a career, etc. You know, I didn't like that I had to drive far. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know how many people drive far to get to work? So all those things I didn't know. So anyway, so I did that. I honestly was there for three months because I didn't like it. I thought this is not what I went to college for. This is not what I worked my butt off for to come here and work for people, to, you know, that don't appreciate your job. I just felt like I was losing a lot of my intelligence at that job site. So anyways, it was the hardest thing to do to quit because, again, in college, you don't quit, right? You have classes for a short period of time and you end and you leave if you have a, a student employment job you have it for a semester and you go um, so this was the first time that I had to quit something and tell someone that I was quitting so that was the hardest thing I thought about it forever anyways end of that job lesson learned do not ever quit a job without having another job so guess what I was unemployed Oh my goodness, I wish I could remember dates and timelines, but I was unemployed, I want to say for about six months before I decided I needed to get back to school or find a job. Uh, school came first, the opportunity to go to grad school, and either way, it was something I wanted to do that I was going to do eventually. It just so happened that now was the time to do it. I went to grad school, and that's where formally my higher ed 
journey, a uh, higher ed career started. When I was an undergrad, I was an RA, I was doing leadership things, but I didn't really link that experience in undergrad to a career post undergraduate, right? It's almost like, you know, you go to college, you got a degree to get a job that's aligned with that major, right? With that experience versus like what you did as a student. So, but in the same line, I have to say that at Ramapo is where I learned that because I've met like graduate assistants and I met the staff and the faculty, everybody was so amazing and so helpful and so supportive. And so I knew by seeing them that the, this is a field that people make their career, right? So um, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't foreign to me, but it also wasn't what I went to college to do. So fast forward, uh, start grad school. I am a grad assistant. I'm in residence life. I am the first in this new position that I had created uh, to work with first-year students to support them academically in the first-year halls. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I uh, was there for about two years, and then I transitioned into a full-time role at that, co- that same university, and there was no looking back after that. Like, that was it for me, right? I- I- again, it wasn't something that I grew up thinking I was going to do because it's not something people grow up thinking they're do. Like, I'm going to go work at a college. So um, after that, I, it, was, it was an urgency of mine to move back to where closer to where my mom and my grandmother were. And um, I did that after I had graduated with my master's. Actually, no, I had not graduated yet. I think I went back to graduate, if I'm not mistaken. I, um, no, just kidding. I did. I graduated there. Uh, I started a full-time job at the same university before I graduated. So I started that full-time job in the spring semester of my last year of my master's program. And again, did my master's without any uh, guidance, map, generational knowledge, uh, you know, thankful for that program in which it allowed me to work. And it also subsidized my um my tuition. So it was an amazing opportunity and experience to this day. Very thankful to the people that ran it, that created it, that allowed it to happen. And, and I ran with it. I got it. And I was like, we're going to do this. Master's program happens. Um, I move. Uh, I take that one year job there. I move back here home closer to mom and grandma. Before I moved, right, I needed a job. So I got this job at this university. Again, I was going to be there for a few years because in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm still, I'm going back to New Jersey. Like, uh, all this stuff I'm doing is temporary. I'm going back to Jersey. This is not home, <laughs> right? Oh, joke's on me. I've been in this state longer than I had been in New Jersey. Mind you, I grew up in New Jersey and I've been in this state longer than I had been over there. So that's just telling you a lot. Grad school job, so I come here and I've got a master's and I'm working at this university. That whole time though, I'm still not comprehending the level of education I just gained and earned because it was just something that I did, but I don't really, I didn't, I didn't equate it to success just yet. It wasn't, it wasn't really at front of mind, I didn't know how to utilize it well for like career success. It was just like, okay, so like you're doing all these things, but you're not really even understanding what you're doing, what you did it for, nothing. It was just like, all right, we're doing school, we did an undergraduate, we're about to do a master's, we did a master's, but I didn't really know what to do with it, right? So here I am working in higher ed, loving it, loving working with students. In the blink of an eye, 
I have spent eleven years at this last job. I'm like, how did that happen? How did that happen? Again, as a first gen student and a first gen professional here in the United States, everything's new. So you're going with the flow. You're experiences experiencing things that you 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 can't necessarily you don't know how to explain to your parents. I myself went through a lot of stuff that I was never able to explain to my mom because it's like, oh God, it's going to take me a lot of time to explain it to you. But, oh my God, are you going to understand that? Because you haven't lived through this experience, right? And so as a first-year student, you're there's always those things that you're battling with. Like what I'm experiencing, but also not being able to express or share that experience with someone else in the family because I'm the first one to go through it. So you get attached to the people you work with. You get attached to the people that you go to school with because now you've got other people that understand what you've went through and have gone through the same thing as you have. Uh, so yeah, my I, I feel like my family outside of my family became the people I worked with, became the people that I went to school with because they were experiencing the same things that I was going, I was experiencing. So there's always been this divide between the things that I'm achieving, succeeding at, uh, and, and not being able to really translate. It's almost like it's lost in translation, right? For many years, my grandmother thought I was a teacher. I was like, I work at a university, but I'm not a teacher. So it's still to this day, like, what do you do for work? Um, Oh God, how do I explain this, you know? And then I'm like, oh God, I want to go to grad school. But I was on the fence. I was like, do I go for a doctorate? Do I go to law school? Do what, if I get a doctorate, like, what do I get it in? I was always conflicted. Do I go for psychology? Because I've always wanted, I've always been attracted to helping people with their mental health, um, to help them figure out who they are, why they are, how they are, and helping them in that life journey. Or do I get a doctorate in the profession that I'm in so that it's more of a practical program? I've already been in my profession forever. Long story short, I was like, let me give myself some time uh, before I decide to go into a terminal program because I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Note to you who's listening right now, do what you got to do for now. Do what you have to do because it interests you now. Do it because you want to do it now. Do not think about 20 years from now because guess what? I changed careers. After I did my terminal degree, I was like, you know what? This ain't for me anymore. Okay, so you getting a terminal degree in a certain field does not it does not determine that that's where you're going to be in the next 10, 20, 30 years, because that's what I didn't know as a first year student that people change careers. Why did I not know that? My mom has not changed careers since we've been in this country. She's been in the same career forever. Right. I didn't know that people did that. I just thought like, okay, you get a again. Uh, myth number one undergraduate degree you get an undergraduate degree and you go and work in that whatever that major has prepared you to go into yeah that's a myth master's degree oh once you get a master's degree guess what that's what you're going to do this master's degree is going to help you uh, uh you know climb the ladder in the corporate world that's a myth Number three, that a terminal degree defines what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And that is not true. We must remain open and flexible and willing sometimes to make a change, to shift, to pivot, to to not get stuck in one place or one career, one field forever, because there's so much out here, y'all. There's so much out here. So then I go into my doctorate program and um, surprise, it was 
one of the hardest things I've done in my life. I, whew, was I challenged. Wow, was I challenged. But guess what? After that, man, can't nobody tell me nothing. I can do all the things, okay? It was interesting. I quit a couple of times. I wanted to quit. I never actually did quit. Uh, and then when it got really hard, when something happened to me in life and at work, I was like, this is it. Like, I think this is a sign. We need to stop this. We need to stop this process. Thankful for the people that were around. If you have not checked out an episode in season one, when I talk about my doctoral journey, go for it. Go go find it and listen to it. So you can hear about what my experience was because it wasn't easy and we did it, right? We are here. Thankful for the people that were around to support and do all the things because honestly, if it wasn't for my advisor who called and texted and was like, girl, you going to do this? Um, I would not be here with U.S. doctors. So like I said, that right now in this moment, also very thankful to my mom, who was a strong supporter of my journey. Without her, I would not have been able to do it because I had two babies when I started. Uh, so if you can imagine, first gen, first gen graduate, doctoral uh, program, first gen, a single mom, which uh, episode 20 of season one, you can listen to that. I, you know, with a little bit of research found that I am fourth generation uh, single mom. Start and I finish. It took me a while. I didn't finish my cohort. I mean, only about three months later, which was absolutely fine, but I did it. The journey though, I, you have to um, think about what that, what you get out of a journey when you experience something or you're going through something or you want to get to a goal of yours, the journey, man, you learn so much in that journey. You learn so much in that process. As a first-gen student, and I, I like to say the first-gen everything, it was not easy. It was not easy, an easy path. It, it still is not as I'm still first-gen everything still, right? I think my degrees have allowed me a lot of opportunity that my mom didn't have uh, and I'm willing to admit that I am taking on all of the opportunities that I can because I know that I can. <laughs> it's almost like if I can, why not? Some people take breaks. I don't know, but my brain is always like, okay, girl, what's next? What's next? So it is no pressure from my family. There has never been that kind of pressure from them. It is me and I who are who is taking things as they come. And um, I've had to tell myself that I also don't have to do everything. So I did take a break. I even left higher ed because I was over, you know, the mentality that I needed to do everything and save everyone. And that was making me sick. And it was stressing me and it was making me not like people. And I decided I needed to head out. And I did. And I'm so proud of that. Um, I am so proud of quitting a career that I thought I was going to be in forever. And because it wasn't serving me. And, you know, I served it for years and years. And when I quit, you know what? I didn't feel bad about it. I was just like, well, it's up to the next generation to take this on. Because I was done. I was so tired. Doesn't mean that I still don't. Uh, you know, the same passion that got me through 17 years in higher ed. I still use it currently in what I do in my coaching and my mentoring. I've, I think it's going to be with me forever because it's, it was, you know, experiences in which I've grew a lot in higher ed, uh, college, ex you know, degrees and experiences in college universities, 
and the relationships that I built on college campuses have outlasted those four to three years of, you know, schooling. Those are humans that I adore that are still part of my life now. And um, being first gen isn't too bad uh, if you have people to go through the process with you. And I'm so happy that I found an army of people who are also first gen and those that are not first gen, but we did it, man. We did it. So if you are first gen and you are currently in your um, college education journey, I congratulate you. And I also tell you that it is possible for you to be done and to carry that torch on to the next generation. Um, If you have gone through being a first gen and you are now a first gen professional, I understand you as well because there's a lot of things that we had to learn on our own, right? Just like college, we had to learn a lot about corporate America. We had to learn about a lot about systems, these professional quote-unquote professional systems and, and you know and i'm still learning i am still learning the beauty of being a first gen is that we acknowledge that we will always continue to learn there's so much more that we can do there's so much more out there for us to grasp and grab onto it fills me with joy that i hold this identity so close to my heart because i probably would not even be here speaking to you on a microphone Because even for that, I'm a first-gen, right? I am first-gen podcast host. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) And I have no expectations of my children to follow my footsteps. I'm uh, parenting them in a way that they get to decide whatever they want. Uh, But hey, if my first-generation experience is going to help them in their second-generation experience, I've done my job. Right, oh, that is it. Uh, this is Soy La Quesada, and I am your host uh, on here, Two Kids, One Doctor. And I will see you back here for episode two. Take care. <laughs>